So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to review a little bit of what Austin covered last Wednesday, but hit it from a different angle. Then we'll pick up and hit new ground. I want to say the primary thing I want to say this evening is that the power of God is in the Word of God. Say it out loud. The power of God, power of God. is in the Word of God. And the higher esteem you hold the Word of God in, the more answers to prayer you will receive and the more miracles you will receive if and when you need them. I don't want to get ahead of myself. When we have faith in His Word, that faith is manifested by our words and by our deeds. And this is why confession and taking action on the Word of God are critical to receiving from Father God whatever we need. For it is by our words and deeds that God knows we have faith in his word. You've heard me say this. Hebrews 11 is the faith hall of fame. But when you read Hebrews 11, Abraham did this and Noah did that. It's a record of what they did. And so how do we know if someone has faith? Well, how does God know if someone has faith? By what they do. So God is a faith God, and God wants his people to be a faith people. Say it out loud. God is a faith God, and God wants his people to be a faith people. And if you should ever want to walk with God and receive from him, you will have to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. You'll have to learn to walk by the word of God and the recreated spirit within you, and not by what you can see, taste, touch, hear, or smell, otherwise known as sensory knowledge. This is critical. This is critical. You know, this is a, an old story from a while back, but when we bought this land, we had the mineral rights on all of it, and we signed with a company. You know, we just did what people do. You sign with a company. Well, they just fooled around. And they fooled around so long that on paper, their option was over. And uh, so we had an oil and gas attorney back then, and, you know, we talked to him about this. Why, don't, why can't we just get, sign up with somebody else that's going to actually harvest the gas and get another signing bonus and then get the gas uh, royalties? Oh, no, you can't do that. Force majeure, you know, all this stuff. And the Lord spoke to me upstairs and said to me, look at his shirt sleeves. And I looked at his shirt sleeves and they were frayed. And a man in the church had told me a week or two before that, he said, there's two kinds of oil and gas attorneys. Oil and gas attorneys who work for big oil and oil and gas attorneys who want to work for big oil. And so that was, that was in the back of my mind. And then the Holy Spirit said, look at his shirt sleeves. And so when that meeting was over, I told my administrative assistant, I said, we'll fire him and we're going to, fire, we're going to find somebody else. And I told her why. And she was like, so you're going to fire an attorney based on shirt sleeves? I said, absolutely. And, you know... We've, we just inquired who Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary used, and we contacted him, no problemo. And long story short, it all came around to Faith Christian Center, not a nickel to me. All of it went to Faith Christian Center. Yes. Praise God. But think about it. Following the leading of the Holy Spirit through this recreated human spirit, and he'll lead us into the green pastures, and he'll lead us beside the still waters. Uh, people need to do a check on the inside before they make decisions. Amen. Thank God I haven't made any big mistakes, but I've made a bunch of little ones, mainly in cars. Amen. So if you will not only read the Word of God and believe the Word of God, but confess that Word out of your mouth and take action, and act like that same word of God is true in your life, your faith will grow, and your own faith will bring to you the miracle you need. So the last month or so, we've been talking about how you need to grow your own faith. And 
I got into one of Sue's vehicles a couple of months back, and she was listening to Kenneth Hagin teaching. I'm talking about the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, teaching on healing. And I go put gas in it and bring it back, and I, I thought, well, I haven't heard this stuff in a long time. And so now I've got, I've been listening to Kenneth Hagin on healing. And uh, so this morning coming over to work, uh, he tells these two polio stories back to back. And uh, tell, you, tell your neighbor, he's not just talking, he's going somewhere. <laughs> and so in the, the first uh, polio story, and of course, you know, we're blessed because that's not been in the country for a long time, although it's coming back because of the open borders. Um, it was a boy. It was in a meeting. Manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And the boy was instantly healed. Great story. The next story he told. He was in a meeting. A girl with polio. 12 years old or so. One leg about five inches shorter than the other a lot narrower than the other. And her ankle turned sideways so that even if she were to try and walk, she'd be walking on her ankle. And he laid hands on her. Listen carefully. He felt no anointing. But he did his best. He laid hands on the girl. The mother takes the girl home. And the only time... Over 24 hours, she would take the braces off is at bath time. So she takes the braces off, puts the child in the tub, and like any good, godly parent, you know, she was moved with compassion, and she began weeping. Her tears fell into the tub. But she said, while she's bathing this girl, oh, Lord God, I don't know why, you wouldn't heal my baby. And the Lord spoke to her. And the Lord said to her, well, do you believe that Kenneth Hagin is a prophet of God? And she said, well, yes. And he said, well, do you believe my word that Jesus took up your infirmities and bore your diseases? Well, yes. And do you believe that it is my will for your daughter to be healed? Well, yes. Well, then why are you talking like that? And she said, Father, I repent. And she said, I see it from your word that with his stripes, I have been healed. He took up my infirmities. He carried my diseases. And according to your word, my little girl here is healed. And she heard what sounded like branches breaking. And she got that girl out of the tub and the legs matched and the foot was right. See, you, you can have, and then, then get this. In the very next message, he talks about the damage done by laying hands on everybody every service. See, you got to have your own faith. See, so, oh, and that the... The thesis of that message on those polio stories was God has a part to play and you have a part to play. Amen. And see, what we really like is, and in, in Fred Price's message, June of 1988, the other side of Signs and Wonders, he talked about how we love it when the Holy Spirit is in manifestation because we ride. Doesn't matter what we do. Doesn't matter what we say. We love that but you can't walk by that because the gifts of the Spirit are severally as He wills. You can't turn it on like turn it on and off, turn, turn it on and off like a faucet. You can't. And that's why you can, you know, remember that story where the, the crippled person's waiting for the angels to stir the water so they could be the first to jump in and uh, somebody else always got in ahead of them. A lot of full gospel people are like that. They just go from meeting to meeting, you know, hoping they'll be at the right time, at the right place, and, uh, and they'll get what they need from the Lord. Amen. Well, how much better is it to know that God has a part to play and we have a part to play? Amen. Say it out loud. If I'll do my part, I'll do my part. I know, I know. 
God will do his part. Can you see that? So do you see how diabolical this new apostasy is that it doesn't matter what you do, doesn't matter how you live, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Well, this is nonsense. And it wrecks people's lives. Say it again. We have a part to play. We have a part to play. And that's why I'm saying that if you'll not only read the word of God and believe the word of God, but confess that word of God out of your mouth, take action and act like that same word of God is true in your life, your faith will grow. And your faith will bring you, bring to you the miracle that you need. And Austin went over James 1.22, but be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving or deluding your own selves. I've come to believe that James 1.22 may be, let's say it this way, if it's not the most important verse in the New Testament, it is certainly the most neglected. But be doers of the word of God and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. The NIV says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. And so this new apostasy is the opposite of James 1.22. Doesn't matter what you do, that's nonsense. I have to be a doer of the word of God. And whatever area of the word of God you're not a doer, well, that's what's going to bite you. And uh, I know over the years, people have not liked it because I spent a lot of time in Proverbs. And the reason they don't like that is because Proverbs has to do with action, like saving money, you know, spanking children, action. And people just don't want to believe it matters what they do. But when we are not doers of the word of God, we delude ourselves, we deceive ourselves. Isaiah 119, we love it. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. The living Bible says, if you will only let me help you, if you will only obey, then I will make you rich. We love verse 19, but nobody wants to read verse 20. The NIV says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. But verse 20 says, but if you resist and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Resist and rebel. And so everything we see going on around us is pre-Antichrist. And what is one of the names of the Antichrist? What is, what is one of his names? He's called the man of what? Lawlessness. And everything we see going around us, I mean, we're at lunch at Papado's on West Freeway. We come out and there was a shooting in the parking lot while we're having lunch. You know, a lady says, you don't want to go that, this way and see all that mess. You know, go out that way. So this lawlessness, this is not New York City or Baltimore or Chicago. See, it's a spirit that's loose in the land. It's, it's in the world. All right. The problem is we understand it being in the world, but it's in the churches. Well, I don't have to. I don't have to do that. I don't have to comply with that. I don't, you know, it, what is that? It's lawlessness. Mm -hmm. it's, it's lawlessness in the spiritual realm. But the exact same people that don't want to comply with God's requirements, they comply, you know, to get welfare, you have to comply. To get EBT, you got to comply. To get Section 8 housing, you got to comply. you got to fill out all that paperwork. I, I guess you don't have to stand in line now. You just have to, you can do it online. I don't know. I don't know. I've never taken a nickel from them. I don't know. But the point is you got to comply. And people do all this complying, but then they have a problem complying with what God says. See, he says, if you resist and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And too many of God's people are being devoured by the enemy. But... What Isaiah 120 tells us, this is what Isaiah 120, this is what Isaiah 120 tells us will happen if we neglect the word of God, if we're not doers of the word of God, if we don't take action on the word of God, we'll be devoured. We'll be devoured. So to build your own faith, you have to take action on the word of God. You have to be a doer of the word of God. And we gave you a couple examples last Wednesday, Deuteronomy 30, verse 14. But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Tell your neighbor that you may do it. That you may do it. Tell the neighbor on the other side that you may do it. That you may do it. 
See, to most Christians, the Bible is a great big family Bible on the coffee table. You know, it's like a decoration. Or it's a book on the shelf. I don't know how God did it, but he gave me a heart like David. Thy, thy word, O Lord my God, have I hidden in my heart. I love your word. Deuteronomy 30, verse 14. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may, the, that was the new King James I gave you. The NIV says, so that you may obey it. The new King James says that you may do it the NIV says, so that you may obey it. And I think I know my Wednesday night audience. You know, I could, I could empty churches with this. But uh, I don't have any problem obeying because all this good stuff happens to me. You see? So his word is the only source of strength for the recreated human spirit. His word, the Bible, is the only source of strength for the recreated human spirit. His word is the only source for building up faith. And faith cannot be built by abstract reasoning. And faith cannot be built through human sensory knowledge. If this topic interests you, get E.W. Kenyon's book, Two Kinds of Knowledge. There's a, there's a knowledge let's say, of the brain, sensory knowledge, and that is the accumulation of what we have seen, tasted, touched, smelled, or heard. That's the only way the human being can learn anything, the unsaved human being can learn anything. We take in information through these five senses. That's how we learn. But that's one kind of knowledge. And there's a time to use that, you know, we got back into town, and I went through the mail, and I had to pay a couple of bills, and that's where I used sensory knowledge. I look in the checkbook. There's so much money. I owe this person this much. I owe that person that much. I need to pay this online. I need to pay that online. I'm using sensory knowledge. I don't need to pray about it. Amen. I don't need a word from the Lord. I don't need, I don't need the Holy Spirit to speak to me. See, so it's appropriate a lot of places in life to just use sensory knowledge. <laughs> but when, when you need a healing in your body, sensory knowledge is not going to do you squat. You need, some, you need a different kind of knowledge. And this other kind of knowledge is revelation knowledge. And that's why it's a great mistake. You know, as I see politicians doing this. They're trying to talk to they're trying to win an election talking in Christianese. And the unsaved man does not understand the things of the Spirit. Amen. He cannot. And so it's better to simply, you know, if a Christian's running for office, just speak to people on the basis of common sense. Don't try and talk to Christianese to them because the, uns the unsaved man cannot understand the things of the Spirit. Amen. They have to get saved. You can't even understand the Bible until you get saved. When you get saved, you can't even believe you're reading the same book. It's different. It's alive to you. And, and something that didn't jump off the page last year when you read it, this year jumps off the page. Why is that? Well, because now you've got a recreated human spirit and you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you and he's quickening the word of God to you, making the word of God alive. And I love it. I do. You know, I love it. I've learned how to access information. It took a while. It took a few decades, but I've learned it. You know, and so I was up in Missouri, and I was trying to remember a verse. I know there's a verse that covers this. And I just say out loud, Lord, you'll bring that to me. Father, you'll bring that to my remembrance. Thank you, Spirit of God, you'll bring that to my remembrance. And within minutes, I have it. This is how I find car keys. <laughs> Father, you know where those keys are, and you're going to show me. Amen. I say it out loud, and within a few minutes, I'll think, oh, yeah, I left them over there. So I love access. See, we have Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, used to say, thank God 
we have inside information. And what he was talking about is inside here, the recreated human spirit, because the Holy Spirit speaks to our recreated human. We just know things that the world doesn't know. And we can look crazy, but really, who's crazy? So I stood there two years and four or five months back and said that this pestilence was just going to pass Faith Christian Center by, just going to pass St. Paul's Preparatory Academy by, and just basically took the position that it was all nonsense. Then, all this time later, I read today that in the country of North Korea, they ignored it and they didn't allow any of the experimental medicines and now the whole country has herd immunity. So, and then we know just this year, one of these drug companies is going to make $54 billion on this. And we see how these governments jumped on this because they could flex their totalitarian muscles. But how did I do that? Because I'm really smart? No. I had a knowing. Well, pastor, you didn't just take your life in your hands. You took all of our lives in our hands. That's why I'm here. To lead you. And to say, this is the way. Walk ye in it. And you know what I notice? We keep getting more blessed. Amen. Amen. And we didn't lose anybody, not one person. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. But my point is, he'll talk to you when you don't know how. Listen, if you have a teenage daughter, you need the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you, you, need, you, need, you need inside information. Because sometimes you think, I don't know what to do. So we, we, we look to the Lord and he leads us and he guides us and he speaks to us. And sometimes it's by recall, pulling scriptures back to our remembrance and other times it's just a word from the Lord. Amen. I love him for it. He's my father. So faith cannot be built through this sensory knowledge. Faith can only be built through revelation knowledge. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's true. But if, but if you have faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and you do not take action on it, you, you're not going to grow your faith. In other words, God gave you a measure of faith, but you didn't take the measure you have and grow it. Because the only way we can grow our faith is by taking action on the word of God. Faith is only built by my acting on the word and letting the word of God live in me like it lived in Jesus. Now, watching Austin's message last Wednesday evening, it dawned on me, there is one thing in common with everything we see going on in recent years. One thing in common with the abortion cult, the Obama cult, the climate change cult, the Trump cult, the same-sex marriage cult, the trans cult, COVID cult, Daniel fast, drinking anointing oil, laying hands on everybody every service, the apostasy that it doesn't matter what a Christian does or doesn't do, the latest apostasy that the words of Jesus don't apply to us. Pastor, that's a broad spectrum. You're saying all of that has one thing in common? Absolutely, one thing in common. What do all these unrelated things, seeming, seemingly unrelated things have in common? They are all an attack on God's holy word, the Bible. It's a blitzkrieg. It's a blitzkrieg. You know, we were in Miami, and uh, Sophie wanted to play chess with me, and I was just horrified because, I mean, she beat me lickety-split. And so I bet, you know, I got me some chess software and I've been working on this because, you know. <laughs> I mean, it was horrifying. I mean, she, she, she just beat me like quick. I thought, man, this cannot happen. <laughs> 
So if you ever play chess, here's what happens sometimes. The opponent can get on your territory and you stop thinking strategically and you're just reacting. Any of you that have played chess, you know what I'm talking about. He gets, the enemy gets on your territory and then you're not, and then when the software I have, you can, you know, hit hint. I need hints. <laughs> so whenever you hit hint, the software doesn't recommend reacting. The software recommends attacking. Can you see that? So it's like, it's, the Germans called it a blitzkrieg. In other words, come across the border, they came across the border of Poland with I don't know how many tanks, they called it a blitzkrieg. In other words, so much, so fast, you couldn't cope. And that's what this is, that's what Satan's doing to the world right now. Because we have all these cults, and you can't even keep track of all of it. <laughs> but it's all an attack on the Bible. And even theologically. In these churches, t telling God's people that it doesn't matter what you do. How egregious. Telling God's people that Jesus' words don't apply to us today. This is, this is a first John definition of an antichrist. And it's alarming to me because I feel like we're knocking on the door of eternity and these preachers are playing games. It's alarming to me. See, so if I think I might be toward the end or like in the vicinity of the end or anywhere near the end, I should sober up. I should get diligent. I should be true. Can you see that? But that's not what they're doing. They're playing games like he ain't ever coming. E.W. Kenyon wrote a long time ago, our attitude toward the word determines the place that God holds in our daily life. Our attitude toward the word determines the place that God holds in our daily life. As long as Satan can keep you in unbelief or hold you in the realm of reason, he will whip you in every battle. These are the most important words you've ever heard. So long as Satan can hold you in unbelief or hold you in the arena of reason, he will whip you in every battle. But if you'll hold him in the arena of faith and of the spirit, you will whip him every time. He will not argue with you about the name of Jesus. He's afraid of that name and he will not, well, he will argue with you about the word of God, but if you hold the line, he'll leave. There's only one way to hold Satan in the arena of faith, and that is the Spirit of God, and that is to hold fast to the Word of God and what it says about the circumstances of your life. And what this culture is trying to do is bully us into accepting lies. It's all about lies. I think it's, is it about day, day nine? Do I remember this right? It's about day, day nine that a baby's heart starts beating. So you go to the, if somebody goes to the hospital, they've had a heart attack or whatever, how do they pronounce them dead? When their heart stops. Well, if you can pronounce somebody dead when their heart stops, why can't you pronounce somebody alive when their heart starts? Amen. Amen. Preach, Pastor. But see, it's just one lie after another. And it's a heartbreak because it destroys lives. And so the world is trying to bully us 
into accepting lies. And not just, they, they're not going to be happy with you, you just accepting a lie. They want you to repeat it. Isn't it interesting that they understand confession more than God's people? Mm-hmm. They want you to confess it. And so this generation of ministers is going to be judged very harshly because they abandoned the Bible. They hired consultants to go down to the mall and uh, do surveys among sinners to find out what they liked and didn't like about churches. And then they adjusted their church to be goat magnets. And in doing that, God's people... Now, you understand my position. I've done the work of an evangelist. I've done the work of a missionary. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a missionary, but I've done the work of an evangelist. I've done the work of a missionary, and we are winning people to Jesus in this ministry every seven days. Amen. But Jesus nowhere, forget about Jesus. I didn't mean it like that. Set aside that. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to go and make converts. Nowhere. It tells us, Jesus said, go and make disciples. Amen. And so Sunday by Sunday, Wednesday by Wednesday, our job is not to just draw people. Our job is to teach you good people the word of God so that you can go out of here and live and lead a victorious life. Amen. Amen. Now, if somebody walks in the door Sunday or here tonight, somebody comes in and and they don't know Jesus, we win people to Jesus every seven days. But when we're holding church, see, church church is a sacred thing. Church is not something that you play with and you you do multi-levels in. Amen. This is a sacred. Sue says that what these preachers have lost hold of is, is this idea that that's a sacred desk. You don't let, you know, charlatans and whores stand behind the sacred desk. Amen. These are God's people. Amen. Now, if so, again, somebody walks in, they're unsaved, we want to win them to the Lord. But job number one is that we're here holding church for God's people, teaching the word of God to God's people so they can go out and live a victorious life. Can you see that? So we're for the sinner, but we're not going to give up the word of God for the sinner. And what these preachers have done, somebody might say, well, pastor, they know not what they do. I think they know exactly what they're doing. Amen. I can hear her, my own pastor, M.D. Beal in Detroit in the 60s. I can hear her in my spirit, man, while I'm talking to you good people, I can hear her in my spirit, man, thunder from the pulpit. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And these guys treat it like they're running a restaurant. See, if I was running a restaurant, I'd give you what you wanted. You want a lot of cheap food? Here it is. You know, quantity with no quality at a low price. What, in other words, I, I could give you what you wanted and be a success. But this is not a restaurant. Right. Amen. This is a church. Amen. You see that? So I just can't give you what you want. I have to be faithful. And you look up the word faithful in Merriam-Webster, it means an exact representation of of the original. Then you get to the end of Revelation and Jesus said, if if, if you take away any of the words of this book, I'll take away the blessings. And if you add to any of the words of this book, I'll add to you all the curses in this book. So I'm not playing with that. So everything they're attacking It's a war on God. It's a war on the Bible. It's a war on family. It's a war on faith. It's amazing. It's amazing. And everything government touches, they just completely wreck. This coming winter, we're going to read about 
No telling how many people in Europe are going to freeze to death because they can't afford heating oil because of their politicians. It's not because of the war in Ukraine. It's because of their politicians. You know how you handle a war? If they want to fight a war, let them fight a war. They can do so without my nickel. And I'm certainly not going to uh, impose sanctions on a country I get all my natural gas from. This is just brain-dead stupid. But that's what they did. And what would it be like to be a resident of California when they, they banned electric cars in such and such a year? 550,000 cars are plugged in every night and then they're saying don't plug your car in because there's not electricity and then you could stand in, in Long Beach or Oakland and watch tanker ships leave every day for China full of oil. Come on. See, there's no shortage in the earth. The problem is the politicians. Amen. I'm saying, why am, why am I bringing that up? Because... They have replaced faith in God with faith in government, and this is the biggest, dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Amen. Because at least God's for me. Lift both hands and say, thank you, Father God. You, Father. You're, for me. You're for me. See, at least God's for me. But government? So there's only one way to hold Satan in the arena of faith, and that is the Word of God and the Spirit of God. <coughs> now, I'm going to skip a place and come back to it next Wednesday because I'm running out of time. Let's go to Matthew 4.4. 4. Jesus quoting Moses. Now, if the Old Testament doesn't count, if the Old Testament doesn't matter, if the Old Testament is worthless, why did Jesus quote it? Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus quoting Moses answered. See, this is during what we call the temptation of Christ. It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now the Lord's telling me to go back and read it. Deuteronomy 8, let's go to Deuteronomy 8, verse 1. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase. How many of you want to live and increase? Amen. And what does he say? Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today. And somebody might say, well, some of those commands don't apply to us anymore, like not eating pork. I understand that. That's called the ceremonial law. But the ten, nobody in their right mind could argue that the Ten Commandments are bad. Right. Amen. It's still wrong to commit adultery. It's still wrong to covet your neighbor's wife. It's still wrong to bear false witness against your neighbor. Amen. And may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. Listen, I've got a word for, from the Lord for somebody here tonight. If you're tired of being tested, start obeying. Because he's not tested. When I was a young man, he tested us. But I, I literally cannot remember the last time I was tested. I have no recollection of the last time I was tested. If you're tired of being tested, start obeying. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna. He did that to us. Sue was saying in the green room before we came out here, she remembered the days when she hoped we'd get to the end of the week and have $5 left over so we could buy two-for-one Parton's pizza, cardboard pizza. <laughs> We've been there. We've been there. I don't go there now. It's a terrible place, but I remember, you know, I mean, we were, we were eating two-for-one two uh, Parton's Pizza on uh, McCart, and I remember the first time we went over to Mama's Pizza on Berry Street down from TCU. It was like, oh, man, we died and went to heaven. I don't go there now. It's, it's, it's not what it was. Everything is, everything is down, 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 down. But anyway, so, oh. <laughs> But I don't think we ate out once a month. Those days are gone forever. Amen. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, and neither you nor your fathers had known to teach you that man, here it is, man does not live on bread alone, but 
on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Not the words you like. Not the words you agree with. This generation amazes the heck out of me. They, they think it matters what they think. You know, you get to the white throne judgment, over here's heaven, over here's hell, and you stand before the one who was and who is and who is to come. It doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter what your opinion is. Doesn't matter what your mommy told you. Doesn't matter what your sociology professor told you. It doesn't matter what you think because you come into the law. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And then he says the most amazing thing, your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during those 40 years. (laughs) Then Jesus, running the devil off, quotes this, Matthew 4, 4. So if the Old Testament doesn't matter, why did Jesus, the Son of God, constantly quote from it? And notice what Moses said and what Jesus quoted, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus uttered those words during the so-called temptation of Christ. In other words, he quoted Moses and uttered those words, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God in the process of running the devil off and running him out of his life that day. If Jesus... The Son of God had to quote the Word of God, the Word from the Old Testament, three times to run the devil off and to walk in victory. Why would you think that you wouldn't have to quote the Word of God three times to run the devil out of your life? And he didn't, you know, he didn't like find his favorite verse, Jesus wept and say it three times. Three different verses to get the devil out of his face on that day the preachers of this generation are going to be judged harshly because they gave up the bible the word of god based on surveys taken among lost people at the mall now you could really misunderstand what i'm about to say so please put on ears to hear it doesn't matter to me what people think I hope you think well of me. Yes, sir. But it doesn't matter to me what people, the only thing that matters to me, look, when I breathe my last and I cross over, you're not going to be there judging me. Amen. See, I've got to live my life for that day. Amen. And so we, social media has just wrecked everything. And, and it gives people the idea that what they think matters. It does matter. Well, I think. That doesn't matter. Amen. Only thing that matters is what has God said. That's what this is. This is a record because not every word of God is equal to another. I had a situation on email and I'm having to reconstruct a folder. And in that folder... I hadn't realized what I've been doing in the last 10 years or so, but when I have received a word from the Lord, I email it to myself. And as I'm trying to reconstruct this folder, I thought, I mean, you you cannot believe how encouraged I was reading these emails. But they're not all equal to each other. And that's why not every book got into the canon, the 66. The church fathers met and decided what got in here and what didn't. And if you don't believe there's a difference in quality, if you buy, I've got a book at home that's got all the books that didn't make it into the Bible, and you just read a few pages from any of them, you're horrified. They are not at the level of what's in here. This is the word of God. Now, there could be some discrepancies in translations. There could be some discrepancies 
because you understand until Gutenberg invented the printing press, everything was hand copied. But as it was delivered to the holy men of old, it is flawless, it is perfect, it is without defect. Amen. Amen. Thy word, O Lord, is true. Yes. Amen. And when you take this position and you commit to memory, Jesus had to quote three verses to the devil to run him off. When you commit to memory three verses that cover your situation, and like that woman that was bathing that child that had a, a leg shriveled by polio, and instead of letting human sentimentality come out of your mouth, instead of allowing what you feel to come out of your mouth, instead of allowing your opinion to come out of your mouth, if you will discipline yourself to say what God has said about your situation and hold the line. That's why in the book of Hebrews it says, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith. And that word profession is the Greek word homologia, homo, same, logia, word, same word. Let us hold, not to my opinion, not to my theory, not to my idea, let us hold fast to our profession of faith. Let us hold fast to the same word. Let us say the same thing. And I've got to quit because I'm out of time, although I am wired and I could go. <laughs> when you can discipline yourself to put a muzzle on your mouth. See, social media has made all this worse. I think, I think, I think. No, if you will put a muzzle on your mouth, and discipline yourself to say what God has said about your situation, you will be astounded at how fast your circumstances will change. Amen. And when the devil gets his big hairy toe over on your turf, the Bible says, Paul said, don't give the devil a place. And that word in the Greek is topos, from which we get our word topography. Don't, don't give him a grain of sand. Don't let him get on your turf. And what I've discovered in recent years is the faster I move, see, if I don't let him squat, because once he squats, he thinks he has a right, then it may be a little bit of a battle. But if I will instantly say, oh, no, you don't. Because you understand in the world I live in now, I don't really have any problems. We got no debt. My house is almost paid off. God's blessed us. I have all my original parts. And uh, so the only thing I face occasionally from walking around the circumference of the earth twice is a pain. But I've learned, oh, no, you don't. Instantly. Don't let him get a toehold. Don't let him get an inch don't give him any room. You run him off, and then you start quoting. The, you want to get the devil out of your house, out of your body, out of your mind, out of your money. Start quoting the word. To, what does it say? That's why these churches, you know, they think, man, we're successful. We got a big crowd. Yeah, yeah. You know who's there? Satan. <laughs> Amen. You get Satan in a place, you're going to have a bunch of people. Nightclubs, strip joints, you're going to have a crowd. But you let the word of God see it, and that's why they don't want the word of God in the pulpit. You let the word of God come out of somebody's mouth, Satan's going to leave. And then the problem is all of his people are going to go with him. That, that's, that's called, they call this in church growth conferences, it's really derogatory. Butts in the seats, listen. These are not butts in the seats. These are the people of God. These are the children of God. These are the sons and daughters of God. Amen. It's derogatory to talk like that. Yes. It's not that. 
And our job is to, to teach you the word of God so that you can go out of here and you can build your own faith and you won't be whipped by the devil. And when he shows up in your body or he shows up in your family or he shows up in your home or he shows up in your money, you know what to do. You know how to put on the armor of God. You know how to run him out of your life. You know how to get healed on your own. You know how because you have been taught the word of God. And you are well able and you are well equipped to send Satan packing in on his way. Amen. Can you see that? Yes. Say it out loud. The devil's not running me. We just make up our mind that we're staying with the word of God. Doesn't matter. The world's insane. I, I don't know if you figured this out. They're insane. So there's no point in worrying about the what does the world think. They don't even know what they think. They'll invent something new by this time next week. Some new insane. Why in the world is some teenage girl in Europe dictating energy policy all over the world? That's how insane the world is. And if you ever watch a video of that teenage girl, she's got a demon. It's obvious. You know, her eyes are all, you know, bug-eyed, weird. And, you know, it's, it's you know, it's Satan talking to you. Satan talking to you. Satan talking to you. Amen. But, they, man, the World Economic Forum flies her around, parades her all over everywhere, and they let her dictate energy policy. This is insane. The world is insane. Yes. Amen. Amen. And so, we need to build our faith because we don't know where all this is headed and we don't know how much time we have left on this planet. And look, right now, these evil, wicked, nefarious people, they're right now, you don't think any of this is by chance, do you? You don't think any of it's by accident, do you? Right? They're organizing. They're organizing right now. They're organizing the next pandemic. Right now, they're organizing an energy crisis. Right now, they're, energi they're, they're organizing a food crisis. Cattle dying everywhere. Why are cattle dying everywhere? Uh, well, it's the heat in Texas. Look, it, it, cattle have been in Texas 100 years without dying. So, so in other words, but they're organizing. They're organizing the food, the next food crisis. They're organizing the energy crisis. They're the, It's all organized. You are going to have to learn how to walk by faith and not by sight. And you're going to have to learn how to look to the Lord and not look to the government. And you're going to have to learn how to believe God. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? Say it out loud. I believe God, I believe God and not man. And not man. 